Hey, man, is that the Garage Rock Show podcast? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. This is the Garage Rock Show podcast. To those of you already supporting the show with a monthly subscription, thank you. If you're not already a supporter and you'd like to help make this show possible, please tap the link in this episode's description or visit anchor.fm slash the Garage Rock Show to become a monthly supporter. And make sure to check us out online at thegaragerockshow.com and give us a follow on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Garage Rock Show. Now on to this week's episode. It's Friday. It's time for another episode of the Garage Rock Show podcast. Chris, you're a special guest this week. Kurt, good to have you back, man. Hello. And George, once again, how's it going? Going well. How about you? Doing great, guys. Uh, it is uh, Friday, June 7th, episode number 63, and we hit a milestone, guys. We just made it over 4,000 all-time listens for our podcast last week. So thank you to all of our listeners around the world. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Check yes, us out uh, on our Facebook Facebook.com slash The Garage Rock Show Podcast. Give us a like and a follow. Drop us a line. Give us some feedback. We always appreciate it. And we got some more giveaways this week. If you guys want to enter for that, all you got to do is text the word podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to 68683. Go through the steps. Confirm your entry for this week's giveaway for uh, Bad Religion's new album, new one from Karen O and Danger Mouse, Pink Floyd, The Early Years, Long Strange Trip, Untold Story, The Grateful Dead, Blu-ray, your choice if we pick your number. So enter podcast. To 68683. Uh, all right, new albums out this week. Uh, kind of a sad one. Posthumous album from Avicii, the guy who, I don't know if you guys remember, he killed himself in his hotel room not too long ago. And he's, um, re- I guess his family's releasing this. I don't know who's in charge of Avicii's estate, but it's called Tim and it's coming out um, June 6th. That was actually yesterday. And then today we have some new stuff. Actually, a lot of albums out this week. From Dinosaur Pileup, Cave In, Aurora, Dylan LeBlanc, Gloria Gaynor, Jonas Brothers. Wow, Gloria Gaynor, really? Yeah. Well, good for her. Uh, Kevin Richard Martin, Lust for Youth, Mark McCulley. Neil Young's got a new album. It's actually a live concert from From 1973. Yeah, it's called Tuscaloosa. Pale Hound's got a new album. Pelican, they're a heavy band. They're pretty cool. Nighttime Stories. Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction's got his album Kind Heaven out today peter frampton is a got a covers album it's called all blues peter is i didn't know peter frampton was still with us yeah he's actually got a show at black oak casino later this year huh yeah it's the finale tour though so i think he's definitely he's hanging it on his way out that's peter parrot and he used to front a english band called the only ones oh nice okay 70s early 80s so must be a solo album then huh yeah it's called human world uh, Picks, Plague Vendor, they're pretty cool. Uh, Plaid, um, Santana, it's got his new album, Africa Speak. That one's produced by Rick Rubin. It's supposed to be uh, kind of a, a return to form, I guess, for Santana. So check that one out. Silver Sun Pickups, The Divine Comedy, Tim Heidecker, from, that's pretty cool. Uh, he's got a good one out. Young Husband and Yaysayer as well. So there you go. Moving on to some rock news. Lineups. What do you guys think of the Voodoo Festival lineup on your first view here? This one is going on in New Orleans at City Park, October 25th through the... What do you guys think? Anything standing out? Is it just... Uh... Well, the top card uh, for Guns and Beck. That interests that Guns interests and me. Roses, yeah. Guns yeah. and Roses, Post Malone, Beck. Anything else? I don't recognize any of those people. <laughs> yeah, I gotta admit, I'm not recognizing anyone in the undercard, but that may just be, you know, I'm not as hip as I thought I was. Bass Nectar, <laughs> uh, he, he's a good, uh, he puts on a good show, he's a DJ, uh, kind of a modern dude. Uh, the National, uh, Bring Me the Horizon, they're heavy group, they're they're pretty good. Uh, big Gigantic, kind of a duo, one of them plays a the saxophone, Glitch Mob, a lot of this stuff's electronic. Uh, and uh, along that line, um, and so why is Guns N' Roses on the top? I know, kind of. Yeah, it doesn't really kind of fit in with a lot of these uh, other bands. Kind of underwhelming, to be honest. Um, usually, Voodoo is a pretty, a pretty good festival, but I gotta say, this year, I don't know. I think blew the budget on Guns N' Roses and kind of left left the rest up not too. Uh, oh God, I didn't even see the National there before until you said it. It, it yeah. just focused in. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, uh, band. Interpol too. Uh, Interpol, good. Oh, yeah, uh, they're they're good. Um, but yeah, anyway, so there you go. Uh, everybody in New Orleans that's listening, it is a pretty cool festival. I'd I'd always love to go, and I love that area. Um, so check that out, VoodooFestival.com. Uh, all right, so moving on to some more rock headlines. 
I thought this was interesting. I wanted to get you guys' opinion on this one. Disturbs David Draymond slams Roger Waters for the Israel boycott. If you guys are uh, not familiar, um, apparently it's just been the boycott. Roger Waters has been doing it for quite some time uh, after Israel just won't basically kind of acknowledge the pan- Palestinian kind of they're um, going on. Their the, sovereignty. Yeah, yeah their sovereignty. Nation, yeah. Their lands, mm-hmm. uh, the other issues that are going on there. Um, so... Here's what David Draymond went to Facebook and did a video, and he said, quote, Regardless of whether it's Israel or anywhere else, boycotting an entire society and an entire people based on the actions of its government is absolutely ridiculous. There's a special hatred that exists for Jewish people in this world and unfortunately can't be explained. He continued, quote, The very notion that Waters and the rest of his Nazi comrades decide that this is the way to go ahead and foster change is absolute lunacy and idiocy. It makes no sense whatsoever. You want to be uh, able to bring people together? You want to affect social change on a real level? Bring them together for a concert? It's the perfect way. End quote. So he's kind of, uh, you know, Waters, other artists have been vocal in their support for the boy, uh, boycott, divestment and sanctions, uh, BDS campaign, which calls for economic pressure on Israel to end the occupation of land, grant Arab citizens equal uh, rights, and recognize the right of, of return to Palestinian refugees. So here's the deal. Disturb is going to be performing in Israel for the first time on July 2nd. Although Draymond has visited the country many times, this will be the first Disturb concert in uh, Israel. So what do you guys think of that? Do you think he has a point, or do you think it's kind of just, I don't know, throwing rocks at, at glass houses? Well, ultimately, it's his decision how he chooses to politicize himself as a, like we were talking about, as an artist or right. as a human being, or, well, I just happen to be both. Do you think it's right for him to call Roger Waters a Nazi comrade, yeah, though? That's what he wants to say. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Roger's going to do what he wants, and so they're going to play Israel, I guess, good for them in a way. Yeah. What do you think, Kurt? Uh, <laughs> I mean, who the fuck is David Draymond compared to <laughs> Roger Waters, dude? And why does Matt? What he says. I think it's because he's so like he's so very proud of his like Jewish heritage well, that he's that's... always like speaking up for that kind of stuff. So I think maybe it like it <clears throat> took it personal or something. Uh, that Roger Waters was saying, "Oh, we're never going to play Israel," and he's looking at Israel like it's his like homeland, and he's like, "Well, well, I mean, good. Yeah, he can yeah. do what he wants, and Floyd can do what they want, and you know, Roger Waters can do what the fuck he wants, and whoever, yep. whoever can play there." And that's fine. If you don't want to play there, that's fine, too, dude. Very true. And I just kind of wish you wouldn't call him a Nazi comrade. I thought that was kind of a low blow. I don't think that's true. You know, I don't think Roger Waters would appreciate that. He's apparently never seen or heard the wall. (laughs) Right? Right? Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Which, uh, yeah, anyway, so let's not go down that rabbit hole. But let's move on to some more rock headlines. Robert Plant, uh, apparently eyeing a world music uh, career during his stay in Led Zeppelin. He revealed several years before Led Zeppelin split, uh, he was already eyeing a career making music uh, away from rock. He spoke candidly on his inaugural episode called Digging Deep, where he found himself heading musically around the time of writing and recording Zeppelin's 1976 Presence album. Um, I actually have a audio clip here of Roger Waters, uh, or excuse me, uh, Robert Plant, <laughs> talking about the... Um, uh, the thing here. Let me pull it up. Let me see if I, uh, uh, in the future, guys, I'm going to try and include more um, uh, audio and uh, interviews uh, from some of these artists because I know that we got some requests at the station for for that, that if we could play more interviews from artists saying things directly, you know, kind of from their words and stuff. Uh, so I'm going to try and do that as much as possible. So let's try this out. Here's Robert Plant uh, talking about that time during the 1976s out and where he was musically and what he wanted to do. I think the glorious confines of being in a four-piece band for a long time, it was magnificent. So the very idea of actually working with anybody else and finding what another angle musically could be was not on the cards. You know, we wanted to present ourselves as a combined unit. And as time went on from about um, 1975 or 6 onwards, I started feeling, you know, there was a lot of north african music that was intriguing me all the time since my first trip to morocco in 72 and i knew that there was possibility to work and to work in so many different areas all right so there um 
straight from Roger, or excuse me, Robert Plant's mouth uh, about that. What do you guys think? I mean, that's kind of interesting. He was already like in another uh, another mindset at the end of Zeppelin. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think it started to come through on some of the albums uh, towards the end there. Uh, like the outdoor had a lot of like kind of world music, Caribbean kind of stuff going on there, especially on the um, some of the later tracks. But do you think he was maybe just kind of like wanted to do something totally different at that time, even though he was in Zeppelin? I mean, it kind of sounds like it. Well, they ended up incorporating those things into Zeppelin anyway. I mean, right. I mean, obviously, Black Sabbath is the very first heavy metal band, period. But I think that's one of the reasons why Zeppelin, some people don't consider them metal. Right. Which is because, yeah, you'd have a blistering, bluesy rock track, and then by you know the second half of the album, you'd have this beautiful folk you know, right. number that sounds uh, exotic in some kind of foreign way. Yeah, very cool. So uh, I think that's going to be a neat thing for Robert Plant to uh, start, you know, explaining a lot of those things. So check it out on his podcast, Digging Deep. It's uh, on all major streaming platforms. So check that out. More rock news. Avenged Sevenfold is apparently auctioning off 20 pierce, uh, pieces of gear, uh, and it's all for a good cause. It's going to go to Notes for Notes, a nonprofit equips and staffs after school recording studios inside Boys and Girls Clubs, which is so cool. I was thinking, like, how cool would it be if we got something like that in Merced? You know, we got the Boys and Girls wow. Club here in our uh, Central Valley, California. Imagine how cool it would be if we had, they had like a recording studio and how inspiring that would be for kids, right? That's a really great idea. Um, so it, it, I'm all about that shit. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, uh, you know, say what you will about Event Sevenfold, but at least they're doing something good um, for the communities out there. And they're going to be uh, auctioning off a guitar from Sinister Gates, custom cymbals, played on stage, a Sumber Schechter, Johnny Christ signature bass, and more. So it's all to raise proceeds for the... Um, Boys and Girls Club, so check that out. Good, good on Avenged Sevenfold for doing that. When you're about to saddle up and tread that rusty terrain, you need a brand of drink you can rely on. And when you reach across to grab that drink from your compadre on that dusty trail, it's better be something that's made from the heart. And when you open up that mix of taurine and tiger's tears, know that Balljack is there with you. Hell yeah! America. Balljack has been disputedly bringing its tasty, energizing mix to the mouths of dusty trailblazers like you since 1863. You're goddamn right! Don't leave your dusty trailmate hanging. Reach over and grab his Balljack. He's waiting for you to quench that dusty trailblazing thirst with his Balljack. Woo! Balljack, the drink of dusty trailblazers. Reach for it today. Um, all right, more rock news. Soundgarden is going to be screening the artist stand in IMAX theater, guys. Hmm. <clears throat> it's going to be happening on July 1st. It's a one-night-only thing. You know, I think Metallica's done this before. Grateful Dead has done this, some of their um, archived live performances and stuff, and they're going to do a, um, a one-night-only screening across theaters on July 1st. The concert was taped on February 17th, 2013. It's a now legendary 29-song show at the Wiltern Theater in L.A. It has since become the all-time most requested Soundgarden live show for an official release. It's never got one. So this is going to be the first time that people are going to be able to see it, and you're going to be able to see it in an IMAX theater, which is, I think that's pretty cool. Awesome. Um, It featured 21 songs never before captured in a Soundgarden uh, concert film, including 17 making their first appearance on the live album. Um, so that's going to be awesome. Uh, I got an actual interview clip here uh, from guitarist Kim Thiel telling us he can't imagine a scenario where the band carried on with the front man. And, you know, I mean, I, right? I, I don't think any band could really kind of do that. But here's um, Kim Thiel talking about that. It's not likely that we could do ever Soundgarden with a missing piece, you know. I would like to do something Ben in the future. It's likely that Matt and Ben and I will do something in the future. It just probably won't be Soundgarden. I, I don't see any dignity in uh, pursuing that course. So there you go. He kind of put it like that. Like, I don't see any dignity in really kind of doing that. So I think that's a good call, right? Um, I don't know. Do you guys agree? I, I'm a fan of, uh, you know, I mean... Let it, it, letting much, the band much, rest. It's much like, you know, the Robert Plant story, right? Uh-huh. So, as a musician, you get, like any other person, 
you get in a rut, dude. Yeah. You don't want to play with the same band sure. for fucking 20 years and do nothing nothing else in your... In t- right, and maybe the know? creativity goes start getting in the way, right? Yeah, or, you know, or any number of things, man. It's like being married to a bunch of dudes, you know? <laughs> Very true. So it's well, just the same thing with this, man. You can't... I mean, I, I, so my point is, I guess, is that um, I'm good with the band members independently getting together and creating something different other than calling it Soundgarden trying to ride the name recognition of the popular band you know what I mean what do you think George well two different things I mean I think Alice in Chains is a good um, oh yeah a good instance great example where you know they waited just long enough for them to A find someone suitable and B for the fans to be okay with it. Um, but then again, there's only a short list of rock bands who've had personnel changes in their front person that were successful with it. I mean, yeah, obviously, not too many. Sabbath, Van Halen, ACDC, I mean, and we all know that these bands uh, had issues right. with that before. So, yeah, they'll probably do other things, but... There'd be no need for them to do Soundgarden now. Right. And I mean, there are always, in, in every band, you know, there's like the key members. The members of the band that you can't ha- not have in the band right. and still be the same band. Right, yeah. You can't be Soundgarden without Chris Cornell fronting it. Right. You know what I mean? So, good call on them. So, so, you know, some bands, some members but, are replaceable, man. It, I mean, it's kind of shitty to say, but... No, very true. I agree. Sad to say, but it's it's also very true. Um, so, it looks like they're doing the right thing, kind of releasing old stuff. You know, uh, some of the good gems of Soundgarden's career. So, I hope to keep seeing that. So, um, All right, some more rock news. Tom Morello saying there's a great amount of unreleased audio slave music, apparently. Uh, as we're talking about Chris Cornell, he was also an audio slave, if you guys remember. Uh, he admitted, he said, quote, there's a great amount of audio slave material sitting in the vault. When asked about the possibility of being issued, he said there's no plans for currently being released, but no impediments on being released either. I think I have an audio clip here of him talking about something. Let me see. Yeah, we recorded music for audio slave records, and then we recorded more songs and made those records. And I've certain at some point it'll come out but there's no plans for it we had talked about it when you know chris was alive and we thought at some point it'll be the right time to put it out now i don't know that there's ever a right time to put it out but there's no reason that it shouldn't come out at some point so there you go um he's not opposed to it but like it's he's he's he sounds like he's doing it the right way as well it's like we're trying to do some kind of cash grab or anything at the same time if it feels right or they find some really awesome shows i'm sure the fans would love to hear or if there's a call for it yeah you know what i mean yeah Yeah. exactly so awesome this out guys uh i know we i think aaron or charles was talking about this at one time Jack Black and Jack White. History is made, guys. They've officially, uh, they've of course met in the in the past, I guess, but they've documented it now on their Instagram page. Uh, Jack White hanging out with Jack Black uh, and Tenacious D. Actually, uh, they they took the opportunity for a photo op. They posted it on their Instagram with the caption, "We hired a new, a new merch guy." <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I guess they're on tour in Europe in support of their album uh, and animated series Post-Apocalypto, while White and the raconteurs or raconteurs are trekking around the uh, continent in support of their forthcoming LP, Help a Stranger. So it's not the first time they met. Apparently, they were both at the 2006 MTV Video Music Awards, and Black once introduced the White Stripes, yet neither of those events yielded a photo of the two together. So it's the first photo, so... Uh, oh, I guess, uh, yeah, last year, uh, a third said, made a joke saying, quote, if Jack White and Jack Black uh, form a band or have a baby, it will be called Jack Gray. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Jack Gray would be a cool band, Jack White, and then Tenacious D. That'd be pretty awesome. Do it, guys. Uh, all right, check it out. Uh, Allison Chain's Jerry Cantrell showing up in the new Deadwood movie uh, in HBO. They premiered it uh, over the weekend on um, May 31st, and he was just in one of the scenes, just a, kind of a background guy. But he, he looks like, right, like kind of perfect for the role. Oh, right? it's, it's a, yeah, so that's a great <laughs> shot, man. <coughs> he looks just like an old-ass cowboy from the 1800s and shit. So, uh, yeah, he apparently... 
he's um he here's the deal here's what um Gary Cantrell says he's he says quote I gave Ian McShane who plays Al Swearingen a vinyl copy of Rainier Fog that day too uh it was the background watching the professionals do their thing end quote so that's pretty awesome uh thought that was worth talking about so have you heard this thing about Apple shutting down iTunes? I did. I did. Here's the deal. Bloomberg is reporting that the company is phasing out its content download and streaming service, and they're moving to three new apps, which will be separated as music, TV, and podcasts to house and manage the data. Instead of I iTunes, wonder if they're going to make money off of this. Do you think so? <laughs> I think so. I think so. The news comes as part of Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference which started on June third. So, there you go. Um, you yeah. know, I you loved my iPods. Not so crazy about my iPhones, but I right hate iTunes. Yeah, the new thing will be better if you updated on your Mac uh, operating system to Catalina. The only bit that's going to be different is the files are going to be in a different location. New music, TV, podcast apps, and that's that's it. So it's basically kind of the same, but it's going to have some new apps and I separate see. it as those three categories. So this is a funny story to end the rock news of the week. <laughs> I thought I was uh, letting you guys know about this one. This is good. Synth repairman accidentally gets high after touching old LSD on a vintage 1960s synthesizer. <laughs> wow, <laughs> man. Look at the picture of the Look synth- at the wires on that thing, bro. <laughs> Here's a picture of the synthesizer. It was uh, The strain was possibly from Owsley Stanley, the Grateful Dead's notorious sound engineer, and also their LSD uh, chef, if you will. So mm. this guy, Elliot Curtis, he's the broadcast ops manager for San Francisco radio station, or uh, TV station, excuse me, KPIX. And he undertook the project of restoring a vintage Buchla Model 100 synthesizer. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, according to San Francisco's KPIX 5. Hey, Dahlia's joining us. What's up, Dahlia? What's up, Garage Rocko listeners <laughs> from around the globe? Thank you for listening. Um, all right, so we're talking about how this synthesizer uh, that this guy, this um, radio station uh, or TV station guy found this vintage synthesizer, and he touched one of the knobs, and he got high because oh, it wow. had acid still on the knob. <laughs> Here's the de- He said there was a, quote, crust or crystalline residue on it. Naturally, he did what any person tasked with fixing up an old instrument do, spray some cleaner on it, picked at the residue with his finger, and try and dislodge it and by scratching it off. And then he just sat and stared at it forever, right? Well, 45 <laughs> minutes like, later. He, like, waved his hands at it. <laughs> He started to feel some tingling. It was the start of a nine-hour acid trip. Oh Fucking my God, God, from damn. the 60s? Oh, man. No. Well, yeah. So they say that um, an anonymous LSD replay what happened. It turns out that when stored in a cool dark, LSD can remain potent for decades. Oh, my God. On top of that, there's written evidence from Albert Hoffman, the first person to ingest LSD, that he could be ingested through the skin. Uh, which is definitely true. Uh, you can usually dose somebody pretty much any way. If you just uh, kind of dose them on their hand or whatever, then didn't Hendrix put it in his headband? Headband. Yeah, that was the that was the rumor. Oh, and wow. yeah, when he started sweating, he started you know tripping and stuff. Um, so here's the deal: Dom Buchla, the uh, instruments inventor from the synthesizer, it has an interesting history as well. He was part of the '60s counterculture. His synths ended up on the old school bus purchased by Ken Kesey. Back then, you know, he had the Merry Pranksters in the 60s. Right. He did the acid tests at Winterland mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Well, they would have, like, synthesizers during, like, uh, the intermission and stuff like that. And that was one of the ones that they used. Uh, and Owsley Stanley was the sound for the Grateful Dead. And uh, their infamous manufacturer of extremely pure LSD. So, crazy, huh? Wow, he got, he got wow. more than he bargained for there. <laughs> that shit say. was covered in that, I bet you. I know. bet, dude. <laughs> Crow milk. Of course, is the protein-based milk uh, dairy product made with the eggs of crows, which we all know the eggs of crows are some of the most fortified eggs in the bird kingdom. Charles, you know from harvesting crows' eggs uh, yourself. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The the fortification and benefits of these crows' eggs. Yeah. Sometimes you can just crack one open in your mouth and get the raw nutrients like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. But crows' milk does so much more. It, it not Helps only with inflammation. It, it it not only harnesses yeah. the power of the crow egg, but it it <laughs> blends it up in dairy based product that is just uh, second to mm-hmm. none. You know, and it truly gives you that. It truly gives you that that scavenger chest. Like it <laughs> it really it makes you. 
It you makes know. sure you have the mindset of a crow. You can see those crows on the street where you're yeah. driving your car <laughs> and they don't move out of the way? Yeah. Because they're fucking jacked up on crow milk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you could be the same way. You know, you could just have that I don't give a fuck mentality yeah. on crow milk. Yeah, exactly. Crow, yeah, crow milk. Drink it. <laughs> Drink it and, and be one with, with your own, um, with your karma. Harness the power of the crow. Harness the power of the crow. Crow milk, so. Thank you, crow milk. Wild, huh? All right, so let's move on to On This Day in Music History Trivia, guys. June 7th, 1984. Let's bring it back to the Wayback Machine here. This film is released uh, on this day, June 7th, 1984. Its main theme song bears similarities to another song by another artist. Well, one artist sues the other. They end up settling out of court. What movie was it? Was it A, Purple Rain, B, Beverly Hills Cop, or see Ghostbusters. I know the answer to this, so I am recusing myself. All right, Dahlia, what do you say? I'm gonna go with Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters? See. Why? Why do you think that? I don't know. Just have a feeling. Some, some, I don't know. I feel like I I heard <laughs> probably like Maybe way, heard about off, it? way off. I don't know. Who knows? Okay. Um, Kurt, how does the Beverly Hills Cop? Oh right, right, oh right, 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 right. Is that Herbie Hancock? No. Who does that song? Herbie Hancock. What do you think, Kurt? Um. Well, it's not going to be Prince, dude, because he's not going to steal shit from people. People steal shit from him, right? Right. That was my thought process as well. Um, well, well, theoretically, though, in defense, it could have been another artist that said something like, oh, yeah. I, I wrote that song first, you know? No, I don't know, man. I don't think I... I think I would have remembered that. Okay. So what are you going with? Hmm. I'm going to also say Ghostbusters. Wasn't there, like, something, like... That what what went along the line of like stealing music or I don't know George and there was an well, album that well, came out that <laughs> on Record Store Day for that and I don't know well didn't have to do with it didn't, this, didn't have to do that but uh, uh I say see Ghostbusters yeah who stole what well uh, originally Huey Lewis um, oh. had been signed on to do the theme uh, when that didn't work out they brought in Ray Parker Jr. And uh, I want a new drug. Yeah, so, so listen. That's the one. Yeah, here's the track. We'll listen to Huey Lewis's track right now first. And then. All right. That's what that's you're going to call. Right. Ghostbusters. He did totally rip it off. In the neighborhood. It's a blues riff. Right. Uh-huh. This, this, this is public domain. It's. Hundreds of years old, yeah. right? Yeah, but it was that type of sound that right. they were the 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 producers of the film had already approached Huey Lewis. They wanted that sound that Huey Lewis had, yeah. and then they got backed out. They got Ray Parker to kind of like take it over with that sound in mind. They I basically mean, like kind of pushed him in that direction. It's not like Ray Parker genuinely ripped. Here's ripped the thing, off. man. Here's the thing. So this is in the early days of like people. Using other people's samples, right? Of other people's music to yeah. write other music, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I don't think that kind of lawsuit would fly, right? In today's environment, where you can literally like steal people's music, and somehow that's okay. Yeah. All right. So there you go. I mean, do right. you, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty similar there. Uh, yeah, the pair settled out of court in 1995 on the condition that both parties refrained from suit in public. All was well until Lewis uploaded about the settlement on a 2001 episode of VH1's Behind the Music. Parker sued him soon after for breaching the confidentiality agreement. Mm. So no precedents legally were set, but the lawsuits served as a reminder that confidentiality agreements weren't just a formality and that they were serious business. So there you go. Anyway. Uh, double trivia on this day in rock and roll history trivia. Uh, 2009, after performing a song at the Tony Awards, the lead singer of this band has a run-in with the set, smashing his face onto a moving set piece. He cuts his lip and fractures his nose in the incident. What band was performing? Was it A, Aerosmith, B, Poison, or C, Def Leppard? What do you guys think? 
I don't know. Do you remember this? Do you remember this incident? This doesn't sound familiar to me. Oh, man, you are going to love this fucking video that I'm about to show you as well. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm thinking it's Aerosmith because wasn't uh, wasn't he talking about this incident? I don't know, babe. Is that what you're going with? Um, yeah. I cannot confirm or deny anything right now, as uh, Quizmaster. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I'm gonna say poison just because it would be funny to see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're going with Aerosmith. Uh, Kurt's got poison. What do you say, George? I think Dahlia's right. I think you got something there. About a Aerosmith. Aerosmith. All right. Arrow Zeppelin. Oh, oh, ain't nothing but a good time. All right, guys, check out this video. We are oh. going to, you are going to enjoy this video. Watch. There's Brett Michaels. Yeah, all right. Have a good night, guys. Boom. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> How oh embarrassing. How about God. one more time? One more time for the people on this oh, one, guys. No. Oh, that's awful. Have a good night. I love you guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they just—I love how they fade out. Like it's yeah. like they oh just like cut God. to, the, to uh, the next act. You know, that's, that's awful. So <laughs> it was. I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but Brett Michaels said there that oh set came God. down as he smashes his face. You guys got to see it it's, <laughs> if you haven't seen it before. It's on. Wow. Neil Patrick Harris delivers this zinger after in the aftermath. He said, "Quote: His number gave headbanging a whole new meaning." <laughs> oh, Neil. Michaels Neil. is not amused. He <laughs> sued CBS, which is broadcasting the ceremony. Eventually reaching a settlement he got paid for that uh it was because poison was performing the song it was because it was part of the musical rock of ages which was up for five awards uh at the time Mm. so there you go all right moving on to movie tv entertainment news godzilla disappointing with a 49 million dollar debut you guys hear about it it was like uh i saw the trailer for it when i took my kids to see whatever the new marvel movie was I didn't oh, catch yeah. it. Yeah, I guess it only brought in forty nine million against production costs of one hundred and seventy million. Oh so, my! Whoops! Way under budget, right? But however, Paramount's Rock launched what some will say will be a, a leggy summer run, um, supposedly with a twenty five million dollar debut. It was only a forty one million dollar film to make, so they're already in mm. pretty decent shape. And uh, the surprise for the weekend was Ma, the Blumhouse uh, Universal Comcast film with Octavia Spencer. It had a strong opening with $18.26 million against only a $5 million budget. So they already in in the black. Uh, so oh, That's one of them sparkly vampires there. Yeah, so oh, God. check it out, guys. Robert Pattinson is the next Batman, the actor from the Twilight movie series and bunch of other lame films <laughs> um, finally i'm able to beat up batman Aww. i know i to uh, play the iconic superhero uh and apparently it's some kind of a trilogy of director of the apes director matt reeves um, the planet of the apes movies the, the, right? newer, the newer version yeah, yeah so pre-production is set to begin this summer uh so there you go uh in more movie news rob zombie his first trailer for the movie Three from Hell will be coming out Monday, guys, June 10th, uh, the sequel to The Devil's Rejects, which is going to be featuring a bunch of great actors in it. Um, so make sure you guys check that one out. Uh, have you heard about this Quibi? Quibi? I don't, I don't know how to say it. Quibi. And uh, it's some kind of a new TV kind of mobile-only thing. And MTV is rebooting Punked and Singled Out for it. Oh, God. They are bringing back... Uh, those shows it's they're, they're, each show is set for 10 minutes or less and 20 of the episodes have already been ordered that's uh, going to be coming out as uh, part of this platform, it's a video startup it's described as a mobile first service, which is going to be focusing only on 10 minute videos or less, and they're supposed to be like high quality, like Netflix style original content like TV shows and movies but in easily digestible 10 minute long episodes I guess is like what mobile only right? right and only mobile they have uh, moved away from the idea by focusing on a creating a video streaming app that will be exclusively designed for mobile devices for instance they will support both horizontal and vertical video and will give users the ability to shift from one to the other with the same video um, they're also thinking about production shots that wouldn't appear on normal TV show, for instance, vertical close-ups that resemble how people look on iPhone's FaceTime uh, and other things. So they're shooting them 
with that mentality of creating it like a mobile thing. What do you guys think of that? I mean, you think that's going to, I think that's probably going to do well with the culture. It's going to appeal to a certain type of person. Young yeah, crowd, maybe, yeah, for you sure, know, yeah. um, seems like it's kind of the way things are going. Uh, Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones apparently checked himself into a rehab facility uh, in Connecticut, mm. <clears throat> taking uh, steps for a positive change in his mental and physical well-being, <laughs> says an insider. Um, I've been drinking too much, guys. <laughs> I guess they say, quote, he's been overstressed for a long time and knows he needs help to, to temper some of his demons. Uh, he was unprepared for his level of success and fame so early in his career as Jon Snow. Uh, as Game of Thrones, so apparently, you know, he's just been, like, kind of <laughs> going off the rails, I guess. Uh, and so, good for him, though. It looks like he's trying to do what he can. But this facility, man, $120,000 a month for this oh, reha- rehab place. the bucket for someone like that. Oh, I know, but isn't that wild? Wild. Uh, so, all right, Sports Minute. Blues! Blues again. Beat the Bruins 4-2. Uh, the, the game is being played, actually, we're recording this on f- night, so... It's being played as we speak, right? The it, game it, five. If these people are hearing this tomorrow, yes. Yeah. Back in Boston, yeah. Uh, yep. So it'll be. Uh, we, we're not sure who won, so unfortunately we can't give you that latest news. But I'm sure you guys will find out if you're a fan. I hope it's the Blues. Raptors down Warriors two to one on. Or, well, they're taking the lead two to one on the NBA's finals. And here's the interesting news on the NCAA: they're moving back the three point line in college basketball. They're moving it to 22 feet. They're moving it back one and three quarter inches, matching the international distance. It will go in effect for the 2019-2020 season because they say to make the lane more available for drives from the perimeter and to slow the trend of three pointers becoming so prevalent, prevalent, excuse me, and to create more offense spacing by making the defense cover more of the court. So there you go. Uh, it's going to be different. Also, this was interesting. The Major League Baseball, the All-Star Concert, is going to be headlined by 21 Pilots and the Killers. It's a free concert that's going to be going on, I think, uh, where is it? In Chicago, oh, Cleveland. Um, it's free. Uh, if you guys are in the Cleveland, check it out. And it concludes with fireworks. It's going to be on 4th of July weekend there, uh, July 5th through the 8th, 21 Pilots and the Killers. So uh, it's a free, free show. That, and it's also going to be on um, the... Oh, actually, you got to go to the website. You go to Major League Baseball website uh, starting this Wednesday, and you can request tickets for the show. So there you go. So it's a baseball-themed festival? Well, I think it's just to kick off All-Star Week, and they're, they're, they do the live shows. It's like when the Super Bowl comes to town and they have like live shows in the area to kind of like celebrate it, stuff like that. I don't I remember the last time the Super Bowl was in the Valley. Well, no, <laughs> that's not what I mean, but you know what I mean. Whenever the Super Bowl is happening, whatever city it's going on, there's always concerts in the area uh, the week of that. Yar, you hear that? That's the sound of Mother Nature. She's an uncompromising beast. Think about it. What was the largest mammal in the history of this earth? The blue whale. What a date to become the largest beast on the planet? Krill. That's right. We've harnessed the power of the wild and mysterious krill in our new triple baleen filtered krill reserve lager. We filter our beer in a revolutionary baleen strainer, imitating the way blue whales would eat and process their krill. Yar, this is the same process. Filters and extracts all of the seaworthy nutrients your body needs. We only harvest the most wild and exotic krill from one of the most deadly seas on the planet. The Black Sea. Yar! So whether you're fishing for barnacles, sailing the seven seas of cheese, or disposing of unwanted trash or bodies in your nearest lake, Yar! You need an uncompromising lager made of the same nutrients that fuel the beasts of the sea. Krill Reserve Lager. Triple baleen filtered for maximum krill potency. It's not just delicious. It's krillicious. Yar! Uh, moving on to some uh, last news here. Metallica performed the national anthem on the NBA Finals on Wednesday night. Kirk Hammett and James Hetfield uh, in Oakland. So, oh, cool. Uh, all right, that's it for sports news. Moving on to world news. Cruise hits, uh, this cruise ship hits this mm. dock. This thing was fucking nuts. I saw that, yeah. I think I have the video here. Did you see this, George? No, I missed it. Um, I think I have the video here. It's this huge, like... 
what cruise ship? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's gigantic. It looks like a fucking warship, like a a war fucking tanker ship, and it's just barreling at this fucking dock. And these people are like being so stupid. There's a guy, uh, like just standing there, not even moving, just trying to get like a video of it. And I'm like, dude, what the hell are these people doing? But you'll see here in the video for yourselves. Uh, it's pretty wild. Um, I don't know. I I hear. I send a. I tend to hear a lot of shit going wrong with fucking cruise ships all the time, whether it's, like, disease or some kind of outbreak or something. You know, I, I looked into, like, being a cruise ship musician. Yeah. And, no, I'm good. Yeah, I I'm think, good. yeah, no. you could get, like, stranded at sea for weeks with, like, no fucking running water or anything and just be out there and... Like, terminate your contract, like... For any reason, and then you're like stuck and like drop you off of the next port. Check call. it out, like the Barbados look at, or whatever. Here, George. There's. See, doesn't that look like a fucking war fucking ship? It does. It doesn't even look like a. To me, it doesn't even look like a cruise ship. But look, at it's like just coming straight for the fucking port, that and it's like massive. blaring its hose or, or uh, hose, its horn, <laughs> blaring its horn right now. I, I turned it down, but look at that guy down with the below though. He's like right there by where it's at, and he's just like filming it on his phone. Unreal! Wow, that's crazy. So, I don't think anybody was injured in it, but <laughs> made for a good crazy video that went Damn. around. <laughs> uh, sadly, uh, the U.S. administration is stopping cruises to Cuba now. So, if you book a cruise, apparently they'll still honor it, but uh, now saying that uh, you can't you can't book any more cruises. Fucking um, communist! <laughs> Goddamn communist! It's Russia, uh, right? from the U.S. to Cuba began in May 2016 as the we opened relations and now they're stopping it, so I don't know why. It's kind of stupid, but because they're assholes. Alright, Conspiracy Corner, guys. Uh, there's a new study out that the Loch Ness Monster might be real. Experts have traveled the length of the famous Loch and took water samples from three different depths. Also, DNA samples left by all creatures from their skin, scales, feather, fur, and feces. The researchers say the results were surprising and that they tested their data against the most main theories about the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> so, it was hoped that the study's findings would be published already, but a series of failed attempts to film a television documentary delayed the process. So, do you think that's actually that's one of the true ones, or do you think this is just as bad as, like, Bigfoot or something? I mean, there's a minimum number of animals from each species that are required to, like... You know, like, uh, I mean, how how long has this been? It, they're supposed to say it's been millions of years. Yeah, hundreds like, of years Like, there would least. have to be hundreds, if not thousands, of these creatures in that lake. Not just one? Not, yeah, there's, yeah, one's going to live a million, <laughs> two, eight, nine million years or whatever. Come on, man. That's Nessie. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, so now if you're applying for a U.S. visa, you got to turn over your social media account info, uh, apparently. This is a new thing that uh, the Trump administration is imposing only on visa applicants subject to extra scrutiny, such as people who travel to areas controlled by terrorist organizations. So it will mean submitting social media usernames for platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for the previous five years. So I don't know how they're going to even, like, track you. Yeah, I don't know how they're even hey, going to track that. Hey, turn over your Facebook. I don't have Facebook. Okay. Okay, boom. <laughs> right? Do you have a YouTube? Nope, no, no YouTube. No Twitter? No. I, yeah, I don't see how they're going to enforce that. Computer? What is that? What <laughs> Internet? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, moving on to weekly what the fuck this week. Look at Tracy Morgan's new $2 million car. He bought a new $2 million Bugatti in Manhattan and got into an accident 15 minutes later. <laughs> a Honda CRV sideswiped it. As you can see in the photo here, it didn't sustain much damage, but still, uh, it was almost, dude, it was the crash comes three days shy of the five-year anniversary oh, wow. of that fatal car crash he was involved in where he um, got ne 90 Nearly million. fatal, right? Yeah, well, yeah. his friend well, right, died, right, right, yeah, right, but right. He, yeah, he survived. The Walmart truck crashed into his limo. Anyway, so... Uh, all right, more on weekly. What the fuck? We're all ingesting microplastics Yay, every day. Guys. Something to think about. Uh, all the plastic we produce ends up in the environment, and they're saying that like things like bottle, uh, bottled water, um, shellfish, sugar, beer, particularly bottled water, um, that there's a bunch of these microplastics in it. They're saying that it's not necessarily harmful to our health, but some studies have found potential problems. The the study they kind of talk about how it's really not like 
super accurate, but at the same I mean, time, it's worth noting. Well, I guess. I guess they better fix all the city water so that we don't have to drink fucking bottled water, right? Yeah. Well, I imagine those people like in Flint, Michigan that still have that fucking poisonous water. Dude, may- maybe like 10 years ago, uh, the small town that my folks live in yeah. received a notice from the city saying, oh, well, you know, the levels of such and such chemicals and contaminants are above a certain level. However, you know, we're required by law to to let you you know, but at the same time, we're also going to tell you that it's not bad for you. However, we do suggest you drink bottled water. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like any way they can kind of cover their ass on the legalities of the issue. It's horrible, dude. Yeah. It's all over the country, man. It sucks. Um, all right, more weekly what the fuck this week. Uh, chess piece bought for six bucks in 1964 is now valued up to 1.3 million dollars. It is apparently a missing chess piece from this um, chess set. It's this chess piece is dubbed the Lewis Warder, and it's believed to be among the Lewis chessmen found on the Isle of Lewis in Scotland's outer areas in 1831. The pieces are believed to have been made in Trodham, Norway in the late 12th or 13th century before making their way to the Isle of Lewis. It goes up for auction on July 2nd and it's supposed to get $1.3 million. There's a picture of it. It's pretty dope, dude. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. That's, it's like, that's some fu- Viking shit right there. Yeah, it's there. like thousands of years old. Uh, pretty awesome. So there you go. Um, more weekly what the fuck. Supermarket at his competitor's store on fire. This dude in Queens walked down the aisles of his competitor's store, Premium Supermarket in Brooklyn, pushing a cart full of unknown flammable material. (laughs) He was wearing blue latex glove when he lit the material on fire and left. Witnesses close to the alleged fire starter say he frequently complained about the other store's prices, hurting his business. He will face a minimum five-year jail sentence if convicted. Crazy, huh? Uh, all right, more weekly, what the fuck? This guy, he was on vacation in, with his family at the Alberta's Heritage Museum, stopped by, and he's apparently, um, what is it? He's, what does he do for a living? Uh, he's some kind of, like, um, a safe guy. Like, he's, he's into that kind of stuff. It's touring this museum. A safe caught his eye. He says, quote, I put in 20, 40, 60, three times left, one time right, and the safe opened. A cloud of dust, but otherwise all that was inside were a few hotel documents, including a pad of restaurant orders and a 1977 pay stub for $6 and change. Previously, experts said it would likely never be opened. Museum officials have now covered the locking mechanism because they think it's going to lock again, but he just put in 20, 40, 60 and just like a classic kind of combo. And right. That thing hasn't been open for 40 years. In so. a museum, huh? Yeah. He was visiting a museum. Yeah, and there's the old guy, the the museum guy, and there's the guy with his family, and I think he's, like, into they, safes or something. Did they give him money for it? <laughs> I know, right? I don't think so. Uh, all right, so have you heard about this? Millennials don't ring doorbells anymore, apparently. Uh, this new um, information survey is coming out. Gen Zers, as they're called, uh, are saying, quote, they're so used to texting upon arrival that the sound of a ringing bell freaks them out. A 23-year-old from England says he she only uses a doorbell as a last resort, while a 19-year-old says, quote, doorbells are dead. One-year-old adds, I loathe how interruptive doorbells are. It seems many millennials now associate a ringing doorbell with stranger danger more than anything else. I mean... Do you think that's true in a way? Like, if I know you guys are coming over, I kind of know you don't really have to ring the doorbell, right? I mean, when I... Uh, yeah, it's a last resort thing. Like, ringing the doorbell is what you do they can't hear you if knocking doesn't work you know at least for me man what do you think george well i'll admit i would be more apt to text from outside than ring the doorbell if i didn't feel like i had to yeah yeah so there's some uh, substance to that speaking of substance a texas family was giving a fake cake by walmart <laughs> fake cake yeah here's the deal uh they bought the cake and they cut in was made of polystyrene the uh the fucking um what do you yeah, call styrofoam. that styrofoam yeah. those who ordered say it was the cake it was on display it was one of the displays and they make the the icing around the poly right. the, the styrofoam thing and they gave him uh the display cake the manager 
told them they could have one of the ready-made cakes on display, and so they got it. And so they were given a sixty-dollar Walmart gift card as compensation and a voucher for a free cake. So yeah, sorry about your kid's birthday, dude. Imagine if wow. they would have ate Here's that. Here's sixty though. bucks in voucher to spend money at our store. <laughs> Come on back, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll screw something else up. Uh, all right. So apparently, what you should eat before a night out of drinking is bread s- and hummus. Bread and hummus, yeah. Well, they say, quote, eating anything is better than eating nothing except for caffeine and salt. Caffeine makes you feel more dehydrated, and salt makes you feel bloated and therefore less likely to reach for water. For the best, eat fruit and veggies with a high water con at least 15 minutes before you start drinking. Uh, they say no foods will worsen your drunkenness outright. So there you go. Pasta. Pasta, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, check this out. There's a San Francisco dungeon bar that's launching a rat bar pop-up where you can pay to drink with live rodents. Guys, have you ever dreamed of having a beer with a rat? (laughs) Well, you can do that now at the San Francisco Dungeon at Fisherman's Wharf. It's launching an immersive experience uh, that's going to be running June 13th through the 15th, only for a weekend. It's called Rat Bar, and it's going to offer guests an hour-long journey into the dark place where live rats run free and booze flows like water. One ticket will get you two uh, drinks... And a ride learning about the Gold Rush, Chinatown gangs, Shanghaiing Alcatraz, and the plague. <laughs> All fun stuff. <laughs> After the history lesson, guests will be taken to the rat bar where they can touch and hold items provided by a rescue group. So here's a picture of the rats well, at the bar. Wow, they're serious. Nah, I mean, think, I'm not afraid of rats or anything. I think it's kind of cool that it's from a rat rescue. Like, you know, maybe kind of it's trying to... It's a shocking kind of funny thing, you know. I think it's a way of kind of getting... Can I dress as a pirate? <laughs> that would be awesome, dude. <laughs> we should go down there. <laughs> dress as a bunch of fucking pirates and drink with the rats. So there you go. The rats that left your sinking ship. <laughs> yep. All right, that's it for us this week on the Garage Rock Show podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Peace. Peace. Laters. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents and the design of this podcast are property of the Garage Rock Show or used by TGRS with permission and are protected under U.S. and international copyright and trademark laws. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions standards or policies of the garage rock show tgrs assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and or links referenced herein this disclaimer is posted in full at thegaragerockshow.com